welcome to the Inside OU Podcast, brought to you by New Balance of Edmond, featuring Keegan Renault from SoonersWire.com, powered by USA Today, and Brady Trantham. Hello, Brady. Bob Stoops here. Appreciate the great Sooner fan that you are and have been through all these years. Boomer Sooner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Inside OU Podcast. Uh, Keegan and I will be at Vanessa Beer House later on, doing the thing that we always do, talking about Baylor's matchup. Hopefully, God willing, we have a football game. <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to assume at this point everything is all systems are go. Oklahoma does have some testing results that'll, that'll be coming back probably Friday afternoon, Friday evening, which will be the telltale sign, I, I think, if the game's actually going to be played from Oklahoma's side of things. So hopefully we have that, but otherwise... Uh, we got a special show for you because this is actually a little bit of a segment that I wanted to do a little bit earlier in the season, but OU's game against West Virginia got postponed, and so things had to get moved around because there was no football to talk about <laughs> at that point late in the week. So um, you know this person if you've been a reader of Sooner Spectator magazine over the years. Um, I certainly was when I was when I was younger, but unfortunately I can't read it anymore because I'm not that smart. Uh, you are also probably familiar with his uh, tweeting. Uh, if you are on the Twitter sphere, um, I don't know why you wouldn't be if you're listening to this podcast, but it is what it is. But uh, it's it's the Road Warrior, the Road Warrior who has been to every like how many what how many games have you missed? I think is a better question. How many games have I missed since when? Since when have you started just basically this odyssey of I'm going to every single game no matter what? Well, when I was in uh, when I was in law school in the early 90s, 1990, it was the 1991 season to be exact. A friend of mine decided we were coming off probation. We were coming off having beaten the crap out of Nebraska the last game of the year before. And everybody was very enthusiastic about things. And um, little did we know, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so he had this idea to to that we should go to all we should be really good fans and go to all the games. I thought that was a great idea. I knew some people when I was a kid who would go to all the games instead of going on vacation. Uh, and I thought that was really neat back then. So I was all in for that. So we were going to do that. And then came time to go to Ames, Iowa uh, on October 5th, 1991. And he was supposed to drive because I didn't have a vehicle that would make it. And he bailed out on me. Oh, man. And that was the last game that I missed. I still have the ticket. I have the ticket. I have the ticket for the game. Uh, <laughs> but, but it was on pay-per-view. So that was the last OU game I watched live on TV. That was back when you had to go to the cable company office and get a special box to bring home and hook up to watch the pay-per-view. Yeah. So the next week was the Texas game, uh, October 12th, 1991. I went to that game, and I haven't missed one since. Goodness. It, it's 300, always, 377 in a row as of last Saturday. Have you ever two just Saturdays ago. have you ever sat down and just tallied up all the miles or just some I, weird I numbers? Have, actually, it's oh, been wow. a long time. It's been a long time since I did that, but it was it was in the hundreds of thousands. Wow. Because uh, I've I've seen us play literally, literally in the four corners of the country. I've seen <laughs> us play in Seattle. I've seen us play in Miami many times. I've seen us play in San Diego and I've seen us play in Syracuse, New York. Uh, 
you can't get much more four corners than that. So, yeah, Maine needs to get with the program and just get a football program going so that you can literally be in all four corners of the continental. Well, United I mean, States. they do. The, the Black Bears are Division Two, I think, though. So, what a shame. What, what a true shame. No, I mean, that's cool. That's really cool. I mean, because obviously, as a fan, that's always something that I would like to do. It seems like every time OU has a big non conference game coming up, me and my friends or my little tailgate crew that I hang out with and watch OU games with consistently will always say, yeah, let's go to Ohio State. And then 2016, 2017 rolls around and it just doesn't happen. So uh, I'm a little envious of all the experiences that you've had because, I mean, it's not just simply watching OU play. I mean, you, you get to go to some awesome stadiums, you get to see some awesome campuses because you always hear things like, nothing sounds appealing about going to Lawrence, Kansas, but every time like some of my friends will go to watch an OU Kansas game, whether it be football or basketball, they always come back and say, man, that campus was really pretty. It was, it was a nice, nice little venue. It's one of the nicer, it's one of the nicer campuses in the conference. Uh, I don't know who decided to build it on the only mountain in Kansas, <laughs> um, but you know, I, I, whatever, I didn't go to school there, but it would be a pain to walk, walk up and down that hill every day all the time. Yeah, uh, not not quite as bad as Cal at Berkeley. The stadium is not up on a hit. The school and the stadium are not on a hill. They are on a mountain and oh, wow. the stadium is at the top um, and there's no place to park. You know, have to park in downtown Berkeley and walk like two miles up the hill to get to the stadium. So yeah. it's, it's not any fun. Well, I'm going to give you some quick little rapid fire uh, questions. You don't you don't need to put that much thought into them, but because like obviously 91 is, I guess, when this all started. So I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to do what I, or to ask questions from what I can remember. But uh, like, before I start, who won that Iowa state game? Cause I know Iowa state beat us in the early nineties. And some, I think that was well, the, the last yes. time they beaten us until 2015. That game was in Ames though. And we, oh, okay. until this year, we hadn't lost in Ames since Eisenhower was president. That's right. That's right. I, I, I am. I, I mean, I, there's no way to know for sure, but there cannot be more than a handful of people, including me, who have seen Oklahoma lose to Iowa State three times in person, once in, and including once in Ames, uh, because you know there were there weren't that many people there this year, yeah, uh, because of the the virus. So you need some type of certificate, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't want one for that. <laughs> no, uh, I'm trying to think. Did I? No, no, no. I. I almost went to the uh, Baylor game with RG3. And so I'm glad I didn't because that was the first but, time that Baylor had actually beaten us. That was a Thursday night game. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I was in college at the time. So it sounded like a good idea. But the I remember, actually, I, I remember exactly what my thought process was. Ryan Broyles tore his ACL. And when that news broke, I was like, yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go watch this. Um, but that, it is what it is. But real quick, here's some some rapid fire questions. Okay. What is the worst road experience bar none that you can think of? Miami in, a re in the regular season. 2009. Mm -hmm. And that's, that the only, that's the only time I've ever been in fear of my physical safety. Oh, Oh, um, because there were people that were literally like chasing us and yelling at it. No, I mean, nobody was like, you know, hitting on us or anything, but I mean, there was, there was serious verbal abuse going on. And, you know, I was, I, I knew enough about it to know that, you know, you need to just put your head down and go. And my wife wanted to turn around and engage with these folks, which is kind of how she is. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, let's just get back to the car. 
And uh, interestingly enough, at the time, the, the AD at Miami was, um, was uh, Kirby Hoka, who used to be, who's now at Texas Tech, who used to be uh, in development at OU. And yes. I had met him a couple of times. Uh, we weren't friends or anything, but I, I contacted him after that and said, dude, you got to, I mean, I know that's a longstanding problem down there, but you got to do something about this. And he, he responded to me and we, we had a back and forth. Nothing ever came of it, of course, but because um, it's still Miami. But, uh, but he was nice enough to respond and apologize. And, you know, so. Oh, okay. Well, so I guess because a lot of the, uh, I guess the easy games to point to for OU fans recently are going to be like the Sugar Bowl against LSU in 2003. Fortunately, I didn't hear that much about LSU in the Peach Bowl last year, but probably because that game was, you know, a foregone conclusion maybe in some people's minds before the game even started and it's not in new orleans so and i also had a bunch of friends that went to ucla last year that said that they kind of got freaked out leaving the stadium but i guess that's just kind of pasadena at night you know well, not so much a ucla thing i well i mean that was if i recall correctly if you hung around long enough you were there to hear somebody get shot in the parking lot yeah eddie radosevich on sooner on the sooner skip pod mentioned that last year yeah. yeah, I was not still – I had left by then. Um, but you have to understand, uh, if for those who've never been there, uh, the Rose Bowl is in the middle of a golf course. When you go to a game there, you park on the golf course. Oh, awesome. Uh, so it's, it is a, it's just a big open area around there. And it's other than that, it's kind of in a residential area. When you get across the street and stuff, there's houses. So it's not like a bad neighborhood or anything. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never, I mean, I've been to the Rose bowl to the stadium there five times, I guess I've seen us play there five times and never had an issue with, you know, feeling like, you know, it was a dangerous area or feeling, you know, like it's something hinky was going on after the game or anything. Yeah. Well, that's good. Okay. So enough of the bad experiences. So let's talk about a little bit about the good experience. What is the, the best road experience that you can think of at the top of your head? Best road experience off the top of my head. Uh, Tennessee was pretty good just for the game itself. Um, but, hmm. see, there's a lot of ways you can look at that. Because, like, 97, when we played Northwestern in Chicago. Oh, at Soldier Field? The, the, the game was awful, of course. We lost 24 to nothing against a, what wasn't a very good Northwestern team, ultimately. And Gary Barnett coached him, which made it even worse because I hate <laughs> Gary Barnett. But, but it was that was like the one of the best trips for a game I've ever had. Um, so there's, you know, you kind of have to look at it. Well, you, you can look at it either of those ways. You can look at it sort of the whole thing with the game because if you lose the game, a lot of times it ruins the whole trip. That time we lost the game, but it was a great it was a great trip nonetheless. I mean, went to the, went to see the Cubs play, got to see the Thunderbirds fly over. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, eight, eight deep dish pizza, you know, did Chicago things. I mean, it was a great trip. Uh, just the game sucked. So. Yeah. I've had friends that went to the, uh, the 99 Notre Dame game kind of say something similar. I mean, that game was probably a little bit more entertaining because, OU. I mean, they essentially blew that game. They had the lead. So it was exciting for the game, not like the Northwestern game where it was probably over second, third yeah, quarter by that point. Because we figured out that they didn't understand how to cover kickoffs. Well, it's, you know, it's hard for John Blake teams to do that. You know, gotta no, no, Notre Dame couldn't cover kickoff. Oh, Notre Dame, We had yeah. like 300 yards in kickoff returns in that game. 
Oh yeah, Brandon Daniels had the mm-hmm. the big day. Former, that, but that was a Chicago. You know, Notre Dame's a Chicago trip too. So anytime you get a chance to go to Chicago, it's, it's usually a pretty good trip. Yeah. So I, I'm glad you didn't say the easy answer of like the national title game or like 2000. No, I mean that was a great that was a great trip too. Um, you know, it's always fun. That was really the first time I've been to. That was the first time I've been to Miami ever, uh, yeah. and the first time to the to the Orange Bowl, uh, and. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, we, we did Joe's Crab, Joe's, uh, not Joe's Crab Jack, Joe's Stone Crab, and, you know, went on the airboats and did the whole Miami thing, and and it was a great trip, and we've done all those things many times since then. That is uh, awesome. You know, but, but yeah, that, that, that's an easy one because of what, what was, you know, what it was. And I think it's, I think it's so hard for OU fans, maybe like, especially OU fans that are my age, so I just turned 30, and I was 10 when that game was played and I had just gotten into OU football like probably two years before that I I, my first few games that I had actually sat down and watched were some John Blake games with my dad and um 99 got a little bit more exciting because they were just on TV a little bit more frequently and then 2000 of course um when they get to the game I'm 10 years old like I said so I just assume that you know my favorite team's going to win because I'm a kid I don't really know any different then they win the thing and I just stupidly assumed, oh, man, they're just going to do this all the time, aren't they? And we're well, still yeah. waiting for, for, for the next one at this you know, point. Stoops had that problem, too. I, I don't know if you've seen the quote from Switzer after Stoops, after we lost uh, in 03 and 04, and Stoops is talking to Switzer, and Switzer's like, you dummy, what did you think you were going to win them all? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we've lost way more national championships than, than most teams have ever played for. We've lost out on them. Uh, I mean, Switzer lost – two or three in addition to the ones that he won. Um, you know, it was a lot more, it was a lot more of a uh, sort of a guessing game back then because you didn't have a national championship game. It was like, but if this team that was ahead of you lost and you won your bowl game and, you know, since all the yeah. pieces fit together, if you win that, you know, in, in 84, when we lost to Washington, if we'd have won that game, the way things worked out, we might've won the national championship. Yeah. Um, I guess you could, for Switzer, it was the, uh, the Arkansas game where they got destroyed um the the year billy fumbled on the goal line against nebraska but was that the year that they ended up playing nebraska anyway in the orange bowl it was yeah and we were we were by far the best team in the country that year yeah billy left it on the four yard line in lincoln so yeah and then i guess washington uh 84 and then of course miami um in 87 yeah gosh yeah that's Oh, well, it's, you got to get there first, I guess. But I guess w- one more quick thing about the national title game, just because you were there. Understanding that, you know, you're going into that game, you know, as an OU fan, you're confident, but this is, at the time, an unstoppable machine in Florida State in terms of their offense. And, yeah, they didn't have Snoop Menace, but they did have Anquan Bolden. I never understand how FSU fans will say, if only we had Snoop Menace. Like, guys, you had Anquan Bolden on that team. Yeah. It didn't matter. Um, it, it, did you at all feel like – I don't even know how to, like, really ask this because, like, of course, you're a fan. Like, I'm a fan. I'm going to be confident that my team can win. But when did it actually feel real that after – what was it? At that point, 15 years of not winning a national title and then and during the 90s and then that magical season in 2000 – like at what point did it seem real that oh my god they're actually going to win the, the national championship? Well, I think when when Calmus caused that fumble and Williams recovered it, 
you know, I was thinking, I, you know, at that point I thought we might actually do this because we're only up six to nothing. Yeah. And, and it was the fourth quarter. And then, uh, and then Quentin goes in from there and it's 13 to nothing. I'm like, I think we might actually do this. Um, now I always think we're going to win. I always assume we're going to win, but I've been doing this long enough. I got, I got more perspective than anybody under the sun. So if we, if it goes South, it doesn't, nothing ever surprises me. So. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Like, I guess I'm a little bit of the, uh, probably a little bit of the inverse there because at the beginning of the week, I'm confident as we get closer to the game, I start thinking of ways of how can we screw this up? Maybe just so I, like I just prepare myself for the worst. I, I don't know why, because, like, like most people will remind me when I complain about OU football, I was too young to know about the 90s, even though I, I haven't I have a computer and I can look up games. I've watched 90s games and yeah, they're they're hard to watch. You go, got go, one. go go watch the 97 Kansas game. You'll be weeping. <laughs> You'll be weeping at the end. You don't. It's like who's going to play quarterback today? Is it going to be Brandon Daniels? Is it going to be Justin Fuentes? Oh, no, 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 no. It's all of them. It's all yeah. of them on consecutive plays, my friend. <laughs> It was a. I, I went. I was there for every game, every snap of the three worst seasons in school history. So you know, I, I if I can get through that, I can get through anything. You've earned your badge as an OU <laughs> fan, of course. Now, again, for those that are, you know, if you're skipping around on the podcast, this is the Road Warrior on Twitter. It's just simply at Road Warrior, correct on Twitter. Uh, OU Road Warrior. OU Road Warrior. Um, always posting pictures of. The scoreboard, which is one of my favorite little cigar tweets that I like, you know, of yours. It's like, all right, OU wins. There's the scoreboard. And I'm like, ah, it's real. Yeah, I, I even did that. I have one of those pictures from the uh, from the Walmart sweatpants bowl a few years ago. Oh no, I, I might have been the last one there. <laughs> some of the some of those there's there's times when I take those just to prove my my stubbornness. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, hey. Being a fan, it, it, it's a it's a responsibility, and again, you have taken on quite the task of basically being like OU's version of the Washington State flag waving guy at college game day. So, uh, well, I, I actually know a guy who's been to more in a row than I have. Who oh, doesn't really? Work for the school. Oh wow! Yeah, he's at like I'm at three seventy seven. I think he's at four ten or four seventeen, something like that. He's he's about four years ahead of me. Wow. Well. Or, we're not going to count him. He's not on this podcast. So <laughs> let's, he's a good guy. <laughs> let's fast forward uh, to the current day. Um, obviously, you had plans as of what? Because I think the game got canceled last week at on Wednesday afternoon, mm-hmm. or might have been Thursday afternoon. So obviously, for someone like you that's planning on going to Morgantown, which is a, a trip in and of itself, because you can't just directly fly into Morgantown, from what I've heard. No, you got to change your plans. You've got. I mean, obviously, this is not fun for anybody. Like, look, it's a virus, it's a pandemic. Football is minuscule in the things that are truly important in life, but this is a football podcast, so this is what we're going to choose to complain about. Um, I mean, how... This is a new experience for everybody, but it's a new experience for someone like you who just, you know, at this point in your life, in your career as a fan, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to go to Morgantown's it's nothing. And then all of a sudden it gets postponed. Like that never happens. No, it doesn't. And, and it was even worse for me because I had, I had some logistics issues with the kid who was going to go with me. So I was taking two other kids. I'm taking my two little, my two littlest kids who are four and six. And so I bought plane tickets for them like Monday. 
of that week to go with me. Yeah. And then by Wednesday, we don't have a game. Now that's part of the reason I always fly Southwest and they didn't pay for this, but you know, it's no, no, no change fees or anything like that. So it's easy to do that if you have to, but I mean, I'm, I make, I mean, I already have my hotel reservations for OU Texas next year. I've had them for weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, I make, I get all that stuff done, you know, in April at the latest. So to have to change it two days before we're supposed to have the game when I'm flying to the game. Yeah. That's never happened before, <laughs> but um, you know, went into it, changed, changed the flights, uh, you know, had pre had prepaid for a hotel room across the street from the stadium. They, they were nice enough to just transfer it, uh, to a new date. So it wasn't that big of a deal. It took, took 20, 30 minutes of rearranging, but not too bad. Yeah. And look, Oh, you still has to play Baylor. They still have to beat Baylor to get to the big Twelve championship. Like we all understand that, but, um, obviously getting the road warrior on here and just talking about a trip to Norman is not as fun as a trip to uh, Morgantown, especially when it's going to be played in the middle of December, which uh, according to my internet research is going to be the latest OU has ever played a conference game in terms of like later into the calendar year. So I don't know that much about West Virginia weather. I know it gets cold this time of year. It's usually cold when we play them in Morgantown. But I mean, are you looking forward to playing or going to a West Virginia game in the middle of December as opposed to the end of November? I don't know that it's going to be all that much different, honestly. And and it's going to be during the day, so it's probably going to be warmer than it will be this weekend at night in Norman. Are did they already say? Did they confirm what time it would be played it's, at? It's it's either an eleven or a, a eleven or two thirty. So I mean, it'll, oh wow! If it's a two thirty, it'll finish in the dark. But um, so yeah, that's yeah, uh. That's, and that'll be the first time we ever played up there that it wasn't at night. Yeah, exactly. Every time OU's gone to Morgantown since they joined the Big 12, it's always been played at 7 o'clock. And um, I know the Big 12 already has two other – they've got Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Baylor that they play that day. So I just assume that they would still have OU West Virginia at the 7 o'clock time slot since that is the biggest and most important game of those three. But, uh, no, I, I, that actually kind of makes me – feel better about it it's like i just get this game over with it should have been over two weeks ago like let's just get it out of the way yeah you know i'm i'm told that they have a special song they play in morgantown after they win i have no idea (laughs) oh i karaoke'd um country roads um what was it 2013 it was trevor knight was the quarterback and I went to O'Connell's on campus corner and there were a bunch of West Virginia fans like sitting at the bar and, um, you know, looking kind of sad. So I was like, here, I'll, I'll sing country roads for you guys. And they, they either, I just can't sing, which is probably what it was, but they were just greatly offended. Like I, uh, like I had offended their religion or something, but hopefully you don't get to hear it. Well, you know, all I have to say about John Denver is don't forget to fuel up the plane. <laughs> um, I, well, I guess one quick thing about West Virginia. So, unfortunately, you saw the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, uh, yeah, I was there for that one. The last time that they beat us. Um, did you, by chance, just happen to be in the stadium when Jeff Hofstadler came to town in the early 80s? I may have. I may very well have. I was I was fairly young at the time. When I was a kid, uh, you know, I've been going to all the games since 91, but but I went to almost almost all, if not all, the home games for many years before that. Yeah. So it's entirely possible that I was at that game. I don't have a specific recollection of it. I think that was, was it 82? Yeah, it was 82. My dad was in, my dad went to that game. He always tells me about it whenever we play West Virginia, but yeah, he was in high school. I think he was a sophomore in high school at the time. 
Yeah, see, I don't have a specific recollection of that game. I mean, I, I have when I from when I was young, young, I have weird rec. I have I have a weird recollection of being at the game when we opened against Vanderbilt, which was in the late seventies, sometime, and they played us really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely remember being at the game where John Elway threw all over us in the rain. Still have a oh. ticket stub from that game. Um, you know, I remember being in the I remember being in the Cotton Bowl. I think it was in seventy. It was 77 or 78, and we ran all over them, and we got to chant, we're number one, and we were sitting down so low I couldn't see over the players. I remember that. but So I got little bits and pieces of stuff like that, but, but you know, for sure, uh, for sure, since, since I've been going to all the games, I've got, I got records of that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the fun thing about college football. You know, probably my favorite thing about the sport is just – it's so like tradition and history is so important to it. I mean, history and tradition is important to every sport because when you're talking about like in the NBA, whenever you're talking about LeBron James, it, like Michael Jordan always gets talked about. So of course history has to do with every sport, but with college football, you're talking about, um, I mean, you just mentioned it. Like I remember seeing John Elway throw all over our ass in the rain. And at the time you probably know like, wow, this kid, John Elway from Palo Alto is like pretty damn good. But at the time, no one knew that he would become what he ultimately became at the time, but you have that memory. So, um, and, 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 you know, you remember Marvin Harrison, Hall of Fame wide receiver destroyed us at Syracuse, (laughs) just absolutely destroyed us in the second half of that game. Now we still managed to win, but, you know, nobody knew who Marvin Harrison was at that at that time, and then he turns into a Hall of Famer. So yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, OU fans. If uh, if another game gets postponed, or I guess at this point Baylor would be canceled unless they just moved it to Sunday or Monday for like the NFL's doing. Uh, but if that happens, just go YouTube the '91 OU Syracuse or the '93 OU Syracuse game, excuse me. And uh, it, it's '93 uh, or '94. Oh, it was it was '94 because it was the Copper Bowl year. You're right. Um, go watch that because it is a circus of a game. <laughs> and I, you can actually see me in that in the game broadcast of that game. Back then, I used to take a big flag to the game, a big OU flag. I would take to the games and wave. And at the beginning, when they're when they're doing the, um, you know, kind of the the announcers are facing the camera and they've got the you know their backs to the field. Yeah. You can see me in the background waving that. You can see the flag. You can't really see me, but oh, okay. you can see the flag. And of course, they will never let you walk into a stadium with a four foot long pole. <laughs> um, but oh, the, 90, the 90s were such a much more innocent time, it seems like. Oh, yeah. They, 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 if I walk, tried to walk anywhere near a stadium with a thing like that now, they'd like jump on me and handcuff me. <laughs> Um, I, I guess before I get you out of here, we'd be a little doing a disservice by not talking about the game that's going to be played in the next few days. Hopefully, again, God willing. Uh, Baylor, of course, see, it's a game where even if OU was going to be short a few starters, just like they were against Oklahoma State, because of at this point, like Keegan and I talked about it on Tuesday, we're safely assuming like Jaden Davis, John Michael Terry, those types of players that were out, you know, they're out because of COVID, whether it be, whether it be due to a positive test or contact trace, we don't know, but that those were COVID quote unquote injuries. So even if OU is down a handful of starters um, against Baylor, it's still a game that OU, especially at home and essentially with another week off, even though they didn't get to practice, this is a game that OU should win. I mean, they, they should win by at least 17, 20 points. 
Um, I'll give them some rustiness just because of, like I said, they didn't practice for a handful of days. So they, they could start off the game a little sloppy we've seen this OU team start off game sloppy already. Um, but I mean, any thoughts, especially when the college football rankings come out a few days ago and OU still stays at 11 and I don't know about you, but I don't agree with OSU jumping up to 15. I kind of agree with Iowa state being ahead of OU um, at nine. I like the college football rankings. I like how it all lays out for OU. It could lead to some chaotic stuff if OU takes care of business uh, against Baylor and then West Virginia a week later. But I mean, overall, just going into this game, um, it's not the most exciting matchup, of course, but I think with the way everything is laying out for OU, it, it just sets up to be kind of an exciting night in Norman. Well, I think so. Um, you know, whenever Baylor plays, it's one of the things that I'm always interested inter- interested to see is if Charlie Brewer is going to get another concussion. Yeah. Um, he really, you know, I'm not a doctor, but he really shouldn't be playing anymore. But that's that's just my opinion. But I um, thought we ended his career in the Big Tall title game last year. I thought that was it. No, so did I. So did I. I mean, and I, you know, it's his. You know, more power to him. It's his head. But um, if it was my kid, I'd be. I would be recommending against. It. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, as long as we're able to play, I think we'll be fine. Um, it, it may. I wouldn't surprise me to see it. See us be sluggish. It also wouldn't surprise me to see us come out and kind of put a stomp down on them. You know, Baylor's not very good. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed rooting for them the other night against Kansas state. Um, you know, they needed one stop there at the end of that game and got it. And then we're able to go and win the game. Cause that was, that was to our benefit. Um, but, uh, you know, Baylor is not, Baylor is not what Baylor was. And, and I'm, you know, frankly, I haven't spent a lot of time analyzing it because I've seen enough of them to know that I'm not worried about it. Yeah. They lost a ton of time. I mean, we kind of saw this coming, not, maybe not them be this bad as they've been um, but they lost a ton of talent from the team last year of course a new coaching staff I mean there's and then not having a true off season and then with everything being weird that it is uh, certainly there are some reasons but I, I'm a little frankly I'm a little surprised that they're this bad um, but that Kansas State game that had to be one of one of the more anticlimactic just prodding trudging like upsets that I've ever seen because it was just like Kansas State was making all these plays. They were making just enough plays to probably probably win. And then you just kind of keep watching, and then you realize, oh, Baylor's got a chance. And then they kick a field goal and win. It's like, oh, okay, Baylor wins a yeah, game that they, they were kind of outplayed in. But, oh, well, that's good for yeah. OU. I mean, they spent the whole second half trading scores, basically. And then you get to the end, and it's like nine points, and you realize, well, you know, it, it sure seems like that K-State had just kind of kind of dragged this one out to the end. But. Um, then you realize that Baylor only needed one stop, which they got. And then all of a sudden they're down there winning the game. So, yeah. And I guess um, if there's any intrigue to this game, other than everything that has to do with OU, like what starters are going to be out, is the game going to be played? Is Bob Stoops going to be on the sideline? We'll talk about that before I get you out of here for a few seconds. We need to keep that Zeno kid on the sideline. Don't don't need to concuss Brewer. Keep him in the game. I I was going to say like, um, every time they, they'd show Dave Aranda on the sidelines, Zeno was standing next to him and I'm like, Oh God, I forgot he was there. <laughs> if he, if he, if he play the whole game, just from our experience with him, then his line would be like five for 24 for 320 yards and six touchdowns and, somehow and, you know, four interceptions or something. Yeah. I mean, Cause it, that, that kid is like either, either he's, he's shooting a laser 70 yards down the field or he's, you know, throwing it in the ditch. 
Is there a more frightened fan base over the last 20, 25 years than OU's when a backup quarterback trots out into the field? Well, especially if it's a Texas backup quarterback. Uh, yeah. We have a horrible record in Dallas with backup quarterbacks on the other side for some reason. There's that. I mean, Reggie McNeil, I, I, I think he didn't start the 0-2 game. Uh, Vince Young came in, of course, OU won that game in 0-3, so it didn't matter. But it, it was Vince Young, so you kind of hold your breath every time he drops back. But well, Vince uh, Young was a joke until he wasn't. I know. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> just got there and play. Okay. And now he's all time legend type quarterback. But then before it was just like, eh, he's, you know, oh, well, oh, you handle him. But yeah, with Baylor, of course, the big news headline other than will the game be played is, of course, Bob Stoops on the sideline and potentially, of course, I, he put out a statement the other night that basically downplayed a lot of like his involvement. And I mean, Keegan and I talked about it on Tuesday where I'm like, look, none of these players, he, he hasn't coached any of these players. It's a different defensive scheme. If Bob's there, if he's there on the sideline, he's not going to take the defense and, you know, coach it in his own image. I mean, Bob would do that. This isn't his team. He's only there to help, but I cannot get out of my mind that just the cool historical image that Bob Stoops is on the sideline being an assistant coach for a head coach that he hired to be his offensive coordinator five, six years ago. Like that to me is incredible. And if OU wins the game, it'll just be a cool picture that, you know, 20 years from now, if someone posts a picture of Bob Stoops with his goatee and a visor and a headset standing next to Lincoln Riley on the sideline, like that to me will just be a cool thing that has just never happened. And we just kind of talked about tradition and history of college football. It's something that's never happened. And whenever things like that occur to me, I just, it gets my college football senses tingling. Well, and I think they need to, he needs to be on the sidelines, even if he's not doing anything, just for the optics. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I understand he's not going to be coordinating the defense or anything, but he'll coach some people up, individual players on the defense, I promise you. Ain't nothing changed about that if he's down there. He'll be coaching people up. I mean, imagine if Buki has another dumb penalty <laughs> and Bob Stoops is the one chewing his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you this. If Bob's on the sideline, Drake is going to get like 20 targets. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> I mean, OU Spencer rather kind of owes Drake a, a handful of targets just after like the cardio, the cardio uh, workout he had against Oklahoma State where he's just running in motion the entire time, but didn't yeah, he get was like, like Sonic the Hedgehog. He was just going back and forth all night. I was like, dude, throw this guy a bone, throw him a throw him a football. But oh, well, uh, but Road Warrior, thank you so much for jumping on. I know you got some other business you got to attend to later today, but uh, I'm looking forward to maybe making this a uh, recurring weekly segment for the Thursday pod. Um, like our listeners know, I'm a history nerd, so I love talking about um, OU football games from the past, and you're certainly an invaluable resource. There are some projects that I've been working on over the last few months, especially during the uh, lockdown back during the spring and the summer that you've helped me out with, with just, Hey, what happened here? Like, what was the, what was the thought when this game occurred? Because obviously I'm not going to know that. And you can't find that out on Google. You can find out like stats, box scores, results, but uh, college football is such a week to week thing. And we all have takes in week four that are completely different than takes in week eight. So you've helped me a ton with that. And I look forward to potentially, hopefully uh, working with you, Later on, as we get past this season, hopefully we're able to finish it. But uh, uh, I enjoyed talking to you as always and look forward to this being a weekly thing. Same here. Looking forward to it. 
everybody, thank you so much. And we will take you right to Keegan and I's conversation on Baylor at Vanessa House Beer Company. So stay tuned. We all know Oklahoma has a ton of underrated beauty to it. The rolling hills, the countrysides, the sunsets, and even our cities. If you're interested in decorating your home or place of business with evidence showing off the uniqueness of our state, give David Schweitzer a look. David is a talented photographer hailing from Calumet who has a passion for capturing everything Oklahoma has to offer. And don't take my word for it. Check out his website at www.oklahomabackroadexplorer.com and get in touch with him. I personally like the abandoned building prints. I'm into creepy stuff, but it also kind of reminds me of what Bob Stoops must have felt when he first stepped on campus in 1998. Again, that's oklahomabackroadexplorer.com or check out his Instagram page of the same name. Follow him on Instagram and like his stuff for us. We'll appreciate it. One of David's specialties is taking his photos and printing them on wooden cutouts of the state. It'd go really well with an upside-down longhorn skull in your living room. One more time, oklahomabackroadexplorer.com. We got basketball starting Stop tonight. tweeting and driving. That was a good one. I was in the parking lot. You weren't when you When I tweeted tri- that, on the, the, the one you responded to, I was definitely in the parking lot. Not for the Tristan Lee thing. I was you were maybe driving. tweeting and driving. There you go. We don't tweet and drive on the Inside OU podcast. We're recording. Is the What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Inside OU podcast. <laughs> Thursday edition. We're here. It's awesome. Vanessa House beer company 8th street and broadway in oklahoma city and i'm drinking a bistro beignet stout and my goodness is it good i told you you get a different type of stout keegan and you're showing how young you are because you drank it and you're like don't my little tongue my little tongue yeah i need it's all right where my red bull vodkas and my 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 g2 my my g2 vodka Shout out Tom. I will Herman. say I will say Tom Herman and I were brothers at that at one point in time. Is Tom Herman a friend of the podcast? Can we say that he is? Because you know we could probably ask him if he wants to jump on in the I'm next sure, month. I'm I'm sure there are people that listen to this that would say yes because they think I'm a Texas fan. Well, you are a Texas fan. Yeah, you are very much a Texas fan. It's funny. It's funny. It's it's really funny how it comes in waves. It like dies out for a little bit. And then randomly, some guy named Red Dirt Sport on Twitter will bring it back up. And then it goes for about a couple weeks. And then whenever Sam gets drafted, it'll come back up. Well, Keegan, you you chose to die on that hill. We tried to tell you. We tried to warn you. You just did not want to listen to reason. But that's okay. It's all right. We got you back onto the good side because you're on the Inside OU podcast. And now, typically at Vanessa House, when we come together with our friends... Some of our family, no, none of my family's here. But when we come here, our main goal for Thursday is to basically go over, like, the game that's about to be played. Like, mm-hmm. OU versus whatever. How do they match up? Blah, blah, blah. And we'll get to all that. But really quick, like, too long didn't read for Baylor. They just suck. You know, they're, they're, they're not, not very good. They're not very good. Uh, but there are a lot more important things to talk about that are more poignant right now because – as of right now, the game is going to be played. But that could change, of course, tomorrow evening, Saturday morning, for all we know. Um, will it be canceled, postponed? If that's the case, we, of course, we don't know. But I think we need to go over some of the things that happened today. And then, of course, yesterday, uh, in between our Tuesday pod and now. But also, before we got get there, oh, my goodness, this beer is so good. <sighs> yeah, I'm not Highly a huge recommend. fan of the dark beers, but... I know you I, like Coors Light, don't you? Coor, 
Curse Mil- lot. Milwaukee's best. <laughs> Bush. Oh. You drink Keystones? Oh, I went through a Keystone phase. We've all been through Keystone. We've I, been we've all been through Natty Light phases. I'm telling you, dude, you don't have to like crouch over like that. You can turn this thing up like this. It it has yeah, like a little. I like because I'm sitting here. I'm able to kind of look up some stuff. Like I'm pulling up PFF PFF grades of Baylor. Okay, what 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 does PFF say about our friend Trey Brown? That he's the best cornerback since no, Deion they, Sanders. He is not that good. <laughs> On PFF, which is I'm to the pa- good patrons out there, I'm just you kidding. would know more about this conversation than others. <laughs> no. Our Bears. No, uh, let's start with kind of that. Let's start with the depth chart that got released today, because you were like, whoa, 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 we haven't even talked about this yet. Well, this of course, that's why I'm setting it up. This is important. Did you know that I was personally messaged to post the updated one? Oh, are you trying to say that you're like you're Big J now? I'm not going to say I'm Big J. I'm just going to say that I was definitely given a nudge, nudge. Here's the updated one. How do you well, feel about that? Um, I mean that's, I mean it just means that you're very important, very important. Whereas it, would that have anything to do with my follower count? Yeah, I mean, you've got 8,000 followers, which is more than my measly five, and that means if the good Lord came down and took his followers back up to heaven, you'd probably get in line first because of your follower count because that's the most important thing. That, that, you're right. No, we're, we're joking around. I'm that a, came off as a very douchey comment by me. That's okay. No, it's okay. You're just kind of a douche. Baylor, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair. It's fair for right now. It's fair. It's fair. So Baylor's 101st graded, by the way, of 127 teams on PFF. FYI. Well, I mean, they are 2-5, and 2-6. and six. Yeah, not a very good football team. And they just won their second game of the year against Kansas State. And I'll be it. I mean, we all kind of talked about how Kansas State has fallen off the face of the earth since Skyler Thompson went down. But that's still, I mean, that's Chris Kleiman. We know what type of talent Kansas State has. And that was a game that, thir- like, quite frankly, Kansas State controlled and should have won. And Baylor just happened to win because they had the ball last and were able to get uh, down the field enough for a field goal. And, oh, my goodness, I... I'm sure every OU fan kind of felt like I did. We're like, we're going to leave this to a college kicker to kick a chip shot field goal here. This ain't good. This is usually not how it's supposed to be, but fortunately for OU, Baylor kicked it. Boom. Everything's fine. So it sets up for Oklahoma to take care of business against Baylor, and then hopefully we get to play the West Virginia game the following Saturday. And if OU takes care of business there, then they're in the Big 12 Championship for a rematch, more than likely against Iowa State. So since I cut you off, do we talk about the depth chart first for this game, or do we talk about... Well, so I guess since it is confirmed elsewhere that this is craziest thing, and I don't want to get too far into it, and we'll talk about this after the podcast, but a little birdie gave me a heads up that Alex Grinch may be available this weekend after previously that the uh, thinking, <laughs> thinking that he may not. Well, I mean, that's certainly good news. We don't want... First of all, we don't want any of these... Here's the the weird thing that sports has done to human beings dealing with a virus during a pandemic. I think we've grown so accustomed, and thankfully so, we've grown so accustomed to celebrities or athletes or coaches, they'll catch it, and then a week and a half later, they're back on the job. And so we kind of just look at it as a minor nuisance when it concerns sports, when a player or coach catches it. So first of all, if that's true... That's awesome. Like, I'm glad Alex Grinch doesn't. I mean, for all we know, he might have some pre-existing condition that makes him more at risk to this thing. So if that's indeed true, that's great. 
Now let's get to football. Thank God, because I want Alex Grinch on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I uh, just got there, uh, line up 15 yards off the ball, and uh, go win the championship. It's, I'm not saying well, that that would happen. But. Yeah, I don't know what we know yet of the Bob Stoops situation. Because it, it is, it is interesting. His, his statement on Tuesday night didn't sound very, I'm going to be on the sideline with a visor and a headset. Yeah, for sure. It, 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 he might very well have to be there, but I'll give a, I'll give a shout-out to the Scoop guys because they, uh, they actually talked about this on the podcast on Wednesday, and I didn't even think about this. But Calvin Thibodeau, in the event Alex Grinch is not there and maybe a Brian Nodem isn't there, you know, second command, Roy Manning isn't there, to basically call plays. Calvin Thibodeau can be a good little bridge between, like, the new defensive scheme and staff to Bob Stoops if he has to be there. So, basically, Bob Stoops isn't going to – he is, of course, not going – if he has to call plays in some capacity, he is not going to call, like, a 4-3 defense. He's not calling a Bob Stoops defense. He's not going to do that. This is not his – this isn't his team anymore. But Calvin Thibodeau could play a pivotal role in the event that certain coaches, like in the chain of command, just simply aren't there on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. That was something like I didn't even think of. It's like, oh, of course, Calvin Thibodeau, of course, played for Bob Stoops in 2005, 2006. That could be a good little two-way, you know, thing between he and the current staff. But I mean, I don't know. I uh, I hope Alex Grinch is there. I hope everybody's there, and hope everybody's safe. But if they're not, well, it doesn't then sound like everybody will be there. I. As on top of all this, I think since Tuesday, what we've learned that three coaches will probably be available for the game on Saturday. And players-wise, up in the air, five, six, seven starters maybe from what, I've under- what I understand. There's two that are reported out. I can't confirm that. So I guess we'll say what the two players that are reported so far, Nick Benito and Buki Radley-Hiles from Outlets. Nick Benito is one of those players. Nick Benito is one. That ain't good. No, that does hurt. I don't. I don't know though. Like, with the, if John Michael Terry's back, for Oklahoma. yeah, because he missed Oklahoma State for this reason. So you would assume that he is probably back and hundred percent. And I guess this is a great point to add to kind of touch on the Joe Stiglian press conference today. On top of all this conversation, we found out that. Oklahoma, and it sounds like the Big 12 Conference has already adopted the new CDC guidelines, which is Oh, huge. Joe C. said immediately. <laughs> Effective immediately. Of course. <laughs> it benefits the uh, the cash cows right now. <laughs> but you, you, you really look at I wish we could have asked Joe C. today, because I asked him before the season about the financial reper- repercussions of it. I wonder what it looks like, like what the infrastructure of these athletic departments really looks like right now, because I think it's important. Like, like the money they're pulling the in? The money inside of it, yeah, because well, it's football. And like, we were talking about how the CDC and all that meaning. We knew going into the season they're paying a lot of money to test so that they can actually have a team and have a season. So they're paying a lot of money for that. But a school like OU that's on ESPN or Fox in primetime slots basically every week, they're pulling in a lot of money still. Like, yeah, they're not getting their tickets at the gate. Yeah, they're not getting a lot of stuff around campus or on campus during game day. But, um, I mean, with the NBA, the NBA kind of laid it out last like last season during the hiatus before they went back to Orlando that 
all the gate ticket stuff and the yeah. in arena stuff that makes up for about forty five percent of their total profit. So it, it's a significant number, but it's not the majority of the money that franchises pull in and that the NBA pulls in. Man, we we may not even have time to get into that part of it, but the Knight Commission also came out with their uh, research and findings today. Yeah, yes, yes. I thought it was interesting. Well, let's let's save that for the end. But where that comes, what, what I'm saying, what comes into play with that is that they mentioned that one of the big reasons why for kind of the conversation we're having right now is the fact that football brings in so much money to these these universities that like they could split and everything stay the same and everything's okay. Yeah. So like that's part of their reasoning for what they came out with today, which is uh, fascinating, which we can get into it. I mean, end, so much is going to change from this year and because of a pandemic, like so much is going to change. I mean, like schools like Coastal Carolina and BYU just basically agreeing, yeah, awesome. let's, play, let's play each other on Saturday with three or four days to prepare. Awesome. That's definitely going to change this whole, we're going to schedule a home and home with another big logo school. But I mean, you got to wait 12 years to see it. I get some of the logistics sometimes because a lot of these schedules are already made. So you have no choice but to like plan it out years in advance. But we've already seen, like, I mean, with OU, I mean, last year, LSU pulled out. I mean, ultimately, OU had to still play them, and, like, ugh. Yeah. I wish they pulled out of the Peach Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Always pull out, you know. <laughs> the, uh, but, no, I think the other thing to really talk about ahead of this game, you know, you, you, we brought up the coaching and the potential there. Um, and I think it is interesting, and we didn't really talk about this. We touched on it, didn't get into it. Trey Norwood's now listed as a co-starter with Buki Redley Hiles at Nickel. Yeah, I guess that was the big, uh, big headline from your little uh, depth chart drop earlier today in the afternoon with the the updated depth chart. Um, well, the Buki thing. I mean, the rumors have kind of been swirling about him being kind of a, a, a player that's going to be out because of COVID, not necessarily because he's been benched, like the depth chart would suggest for Trey Norwood. Um, the mm-hmm. other interesting thing from the depth chart would be Jeremiah Cordell just got slid back to strong safety behind DTY, which is – that's his natural position, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's his natural position. And then this has been kind of a thing, and this is a super minute thing, but I just wanted to mention it. He hasn't played in a few weeks. I get it. But seeing Seth McGowan's name under Marcus Major is a little like, oh. Yeah. I – and you know what? Marcus Major had an offseason. He had a normal season, like last year as a true freshman, where he was in the weight room. He had a f- summer, a winter, a fall, spring, and all that stuff. Um, Seth McGowan hasn't. But still seeing that was just kind of like, I don't know about that. But I guess let's slide on back to the whole Buki thing because that's what everybody, when they look at the depth chart and they compare it to the previous week and then this week, they're like, oh, Buki got benched. Thank God. Thank God. I want to reiterate. Bob Stoops has been here for two days. He's like, uh-uh, I'm not going to do that stuff no more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Buki. Yeah. Saturday will be your Super Bowl if Bob's coaching. I'm just saying, like I said on Tuesday, if we could be minus every starter and OU loses, and that's why we <laughs> lose. But if Bob's on the sidelines, it's like, this is bad mojo. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to reiterate again. Oklahoma reached out to me to make sure that the new updated depth chart was out there. And the other big part, Trojan Bridge is no longer listed. He done. That's interesting. Is he opting out? 
I don't. Uh, what, what do you make of that? Because like, here's my. We question. have heard. Like, I guess this is a great time to talk about what you and I have both heard on that. That they are waiting. Still, word on the NCAA, but his is different. A different scenario than Ronnie's. Same circumstances, but different in terms of how each of them tested first time around. I wonder if this has you anything... Pick, I, I think that was good enough. We we left. I left enough yeah. paper trail there for people to pick up. I wonder if this has anything to do with the fact that he got pulled over for speeding and IG lived it. I, If it is, then... I mean, that's a very good reason to get suspended yeah. for a game. Especially if whenever this, you're if this under the a, gun. Yeah, if this is a normal season, if that happens, my, my initial thought is, well, he's at least suspended for, like, the starting drive. Like he just gets the Baker Mayfield against West Virginia in 2017. Yep. You know, punishment. So but. interesting though. I mean, there was not a huge bunch of huge changes on the depth chart, but those were very noticeable. Yeah. And look, Trey Norwood is technically one of hashtag Mike's guys that we've talked about over and over and over this season. Trey Norwood, though, is a player that has completely flipped his career around, in my opinion. Like, he's a guy that's made plays. He's a guy that's uh, been, except for Iowa State, and that's the worry. (laughs) That's the uh, one. He's had one bad play, but whenever you play as minimal snaps as he's played, that's going to be a big highlight of it. That missed tackle was huge. It was a big missed tackle that could have swung that game in OU's favor, for all we know. But... Uh, for the most part, since then, Trey Norwood has been a player that when he's on the field, I at least, hey, if he's not in a position where he has to, like, run block or, excuse me, go make a play in the running against the running game, I'm confident he can make a play or just do his job. So um, that, to me, doesn't, doesn't really, like, sh- scare me as a fan. But whether Buki is out truly because he's been benched or because he's out because of a positive COVID test or a contact trace, then, I mean, OU fans, you know, they'll definitely be happy to not see number 44 out there for obvious <laughs> reasons. But um, we will say, even though we've been very critical of Buki Radley Hiles, you and I, like we always try to, like, hey, the, the guy's a smart football player when the play, like, like when the play is live. Sure. Now, when the play is dead, that's where, like, Buki kind of, like, loses his mind sometimes. But when the play is live, Buki Radley-Hiles is a smart football player and does his job fairly well and helps out this defense. So um, this is a game where you can kind of afford to move some stuff around, I guess, if you want wanting to set a, an example. Again, if he's not a COVID thing, if you want to set an example, sure, fine. Baylor's not that good. But, you know, West Virginia is going to be a little bit of a different uh, – they're going to be a little bit of a different test, so we'll, we'll see how things unfold Saturday night, and then I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there on Monday. And I think the biggest thing, if you know we want to wrap up Baylor, that you know Charlie Brewer is obviously a very competitive player, very confident in himself. They have one offensive lineman that's really, really good. I believe the right guard. He's got a shot to go be an NFL guy. But defensively, they just lost everybody. I mean, we, t- we talked about this on Tuesday. They just – R.J. Sneed, sorry, wide receiver before we move over to the defensive side of the ball, but they just – for Dave Aranda in his first year, they just lost so much talent. Off a defense that wasn't littered with a ton of NFL talent, Brady, but it was the epitome of when everybody buys into the culture that the head coach is trying to cul- cultivate and everybody's bought into it. 
man, they were fun to watch. Like, like it, it did, like, watching Baylor last year, because, like, even when Arn Brown's there, like, before the scandal and everything, like, they just were a team that you kind of hated, right? Like, the way they played, the attitude, Art Bryles, the way he was at, he way he acted, his attitude about coaching and the way he led that program before the scandal even then made. But, like, Matt Rule kind of made you, like, root for Baylor. Like, it was fun to no, watch I, Matt Rule be good. I remember telling John Hoover after the Big 12 championship game that I hope, because there were rumors that Matt Rule was going to be interviewed by either bigger schools or even the NFL. NFL. And I remember telling John Hoover that, hey, I kind of hope he stays just because that's a worthy adversary. Like, I I like the way he coaches. I like the type of programming that he's running. And, yeah, truthfully, Baylor is never going to be a school that I truly think is going to stop OU from big goals. You know, they're not going to beat us for recruits. They're not going to keep us from a national championship season if OU is truly that good. But they're still – they're a team that can maybe – piss us off upset us every once in a while under Matt Rule but it was something it was a game that I was or a a rivalry between Lincoln Riley and Matt Rule that I was looking forward to and unfortunately that had to end but uh, Dave Aranda I mean the guy's a proven coordinator we're we're going to we're going to find out if he's going to be a fairly good head coach and I think I may have mentioned this on Tuesday to you Keegan so apologies if I'm repeating myself but this is the year if you are if you're wanting to be a first year head coach in college yep. football, this is the year to do it because it does not matter. It is the most ultimate mulligan of all mulligans for first year head coaches because you didn't get any off season to implement your system. You didn't get that much time to recruit. You didn't get that much time to do anything. And so it's just a whole bunch of you're learning everything about the location in which you are coaching in. You're learning about the team that you are inheriting. And then you can make better plans to pivot like once, hopefully, life is able to return to normal. So um, I have a lot of respect for Dave Miranda, and uh, I have a lot of respect for the players that are at Baylor. It's just you look at their record, it is what it is because they're just not good. So even down a few starters, like OU should be relatively fine and be able to take care of business, especially because – a lot of the rumors of the COVID casualties that we're hearing about for OU in terms of players being out are not on offense. No, they're not. Very few, from what I understand, yep. are on offense. So, um, I mean, I could have thrown some shade at somebody there, but I didn't. You proud you, of me? You can. But I didn't. Okay, so Baylor has lost one, two, three of their five losses, Brady, or by one possession including a double overtime loss to West Virginia. They got to be by 11 by Texas and 10 by TCU. What is, does, that, does that change anything for you? They beat Kansas State in a one-possession game. They're in these very close games. It's – I don't know. It, it is intriguing just to think that, you know, you lose Nick Benito, you lose Buki, you may have a couple other defensive starters out. I don't know. Like losing, something, Benito, losing Benito just – that to me keeps me from going like, oh, oh, you'll win this game so sure, easily absolutely. and cover the spread. And like Benito is, I feel like he's been probably the most consistent player start to finish this entire season. I would agree. Now they should, as we said earlier, they should get John Michael Terry back, so that should help Which them is out good. tremendously. There. Yes, um, Brendan Walker's also played some really <laughs> good snaps the last couple games. The last two games he's been able to play um, at the same position. So you know. Yes, can Baylor come out? They're going to have to play a really good football game to win. 
Like, Oklahoma's not going to have to walk out on the field and play terrible Saturday, which without practicing for as long as they have, I, think, I mean, I think there's a chance that it could look like that. Like, you know, I'm not going to say that they lost their momentum in terms of what they were building towards this season, but can Oklahoma become maybe be a little rusty out of the gate on Saturday? It wouldn't surprise me. No. Would it surprise you at all? No. No. I kind of expected it. Sure. I mean, you don't practice for, what, five days, five, six days? Is that what Lincoln Riley said? Or five to six practices. They lost. They were not at the facility for five straight days. So from yeah, they're, Wednesday they're, last week to Monday this that, week. That is potentially going to be a very weird first quarter. The good thing about like playing Baylor as opposed to playing like West Virginia, which is a little bit more offensively capable of taking advantage of something like that, sure. is that if Baylor has success in the first quarter and OU just doesn't, you know, if they have a sloppy first quarter or slow one, well, Baylor's offense is just slow. It'll it'll afford OU as a team a lot more time to wake up before it could potentially get ugly. West Virginia is no offensive juggernaut, but they just have a little bit more of a higher ceiling to open up a game if their opponent just sleepwalks into the first quarter, if you if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Um. Again, like Baylor is what they are. Like that, I keep saying that, and that's just me trying to say that. Yeah, OU's going to have like some weird disadvantages, and they're not going to be at full strength. But at the same time, I fully expect them to just kick, kick their ass. So, and if and if they don't, if that's not the final score, then something happened, or they were minus a ton of players that we just didn't foresee, and that's probably going to be why. Yeah. Now they, it's a it's a game Oklahoma should come out and win. Like, and I think the important thing is that they come out and win and. You saw today that West Virginia is having some COVID problems. So if Iowa State yeah. can take care of business this weekend and Oklahoma beats Baylor, it's a wah. I mean, it, it can be a wrap. Like, they could cancel next weekend's games. It's Oklahoma-Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game. Oklahoma State may throw a, throw a fit about that. Um, but well, if, if they want to, then they should have uh, they should have beat Texas. You're right. They should have. I mean, according to Bill I mean, Conley, I don't think it's like, crazy. <laughs> well, they should have won like 41-19. to 19. Hey, they had a ninety-six percent win expectancy. That if you, is it is absurd there, that they the lost thing. that OSU game. OSU really wouldn't bitch because all their players are opting out. They don't sure. care anymore. Yeah, no, so. they don't. No, you're right. So what? what I mean, Joe Castiglione talks for forty-three minutes today. By the yeah, way, yeah, like a lot of a lot of fans on Twitter were a little freaked out when people started saying like Josie's going to meet with the media in the next few minutes. They're like, oh god. Joe C is like meeting with the media in the middle of the week. Is that that's not a good thing, is it? And all it was was just everything's going up. well. Yeah, it was just a little get together, yeah. reunion. What's it like? Talk. I mean, because I know what it's like talking to Sam Presti, and I would imagine it's it's not the same as like talking to Joe Castiglione. So like, it, it comes from the same like vein though. Is that Joe Castiglione is extremely good at saying a lot. Without saying anything at all, he's a wonderful salesman. Oh, absolutely. So this is exactly this is what I told somebody today. Is that this press conference needed five questions to be answered, and that was it. And it went for forty minutes. Is what were the last two weeks like? The new CDC guidelines, fans in the stands, the game being played this week, and then having Bob Stoops as an assistant. So on the you know what we learned is is that basically the last two weeks were like living in hell for an athletic director. Is basically what you could get from Joe C today, which makes sense. Yeah, 
makes complete sense. So, they, I mean, just it, all of it came down at one time, which is not a surprise at all. I mean, we saw it all play out on social media. And then just from the aspect of the fact that you have a guy in leadership as, as good as Joe Castiglione, that they didn't panic, that they kind of planned for it. They didn't plan for it all at the same time, but it worked out well for Oklahoma. And then the uh, announcement of the CDC guidelines that are going to be effective immediately, which is extremely important for Oklahoma. Not going to reduce fans in the stands. Sounds like the game is going to be played this week. You and I both feel confident in that, right? Yes. I am extremely confident as of Thursday at 6.08 p.m. If I were any more confident, I would um, – I've got nothing. I mean, it's going to take some neg- It's going to take some negative positive tests tomorrow. Did I do that negative right since I, since I got in trouble today? Well, we tested very positively is what I think – judging by your timeline on Thursday, December 3rd <laughs> – I came to the conclusion that Oklahoma as a football program tested very positively the last, you know, three or four days. It was very positive results for Oklahoma. Very, very sexy. Yeah, negative. They were testing negative, so it was positive. I hate that. So 2020. Well, our president would say, you know, that uh, exactly right. uh, our current president. Not for long, though. Ah. Uh. I'm, not sure. Blah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Blah. But no, and then Bob coming back, I thought he gave a pretty good answer to that. It's like we He did say though, I think it was interesting that Bob has helped them out a lot and like with fundraising, which is no surprise, but the fact that he kind of said it, I was like, "Whoa, okay. Well, that's good for Oklahoma, I guess." <laughs> it's out there getting you dollars so you can go spend it, do something else. Keegan, tell me that I am crazy for being afraid that Bob Soups could be potentially be on the sideline. I mean, I don't think it's a crazy idea. I've, you know? I've not slept since Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see like that's the thing is like I don't know if there's like like kind of to his statement, which I think it's funny how like Lincoln brought it up on his own, unprovoked. Bob makes a statement saying it's not a big deal, and then the OU football Twitter account tweets out a couple days or the next day, like a picture of him and wearing a visor and coaching. It's like, oh yeah, and this is not a big deal. Okay, well he's out here actually coaching. Yikes! I mean, there's. I don't think there's a yikes. I don't think it's going to be a yikes thing because again, it's they're playing Baylor. They should just kick their ass. But eh, I don't know. I promise I'll remain silent in the <laughs> events of disaster. <laughs> I promise. I promise uh, you the inside OU listener. No, we've been it, – it's it's one of those, like, weird, like, weeks where you s- I spent most of it chasing stories, right? Like, who's tested positive? What coaches are doing what? Chasing paper, as the kids say. As the kids would yeah. say, yes. So, really, since last Wednesday, it's been like that. And then it's like, okay, now what? Oh, Oh, we get a football game. Oh, cool. There's a football game. That's great. At the end of this, after the end of the last week and eight, week and a day, that there's a football game at the end of it. Now we get to get prepared for that, get to go talk about it, get to do this, get to do that. It's a, uh, you know, it's an interesting time. You got recruiting this weekend, Brady? Yeah, some dude named Tristan's going to be here. Tell me why I should care. 
He's not bad. He's tell only, me the, Keegan, num- tell he's me only the number two offensive tackle in the country. Probably your starter at left tackle. Well, why isn't he number one? Where's the number one tackle at? He's going to Georgia. Georgia. Georgia sucks, man. Amorius Mims. Oh, you should be ashamed they lost to them in the Rose Bowl. I'm just kidding. They were pretty good back then. They, yeah, they were not bad. They would beat me. You know. Roquan Smith wasn't bad. That Nick defensive Chubb. line. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Sony Michelle gives me a chub. Jake Fromm. Only reason why Jake. <laughs> the, only, the only reason why Jake Fromm is relevant because he beat Oklahoma. No, Jake Fromm was probably so angry. He was like, as his career went on, he's like, "Where is Mike Stoops' defense at?" Like, <laughs> I thought, oh, oh darn it! <laughs> Blast! I set I, I set that up one. And and I then set he, that one up. and then he said something regrettable about the elites and weapons. <laughs> right? Was that him? I don't want to. He made. He's made some. Uh, yeah, he, he's made a racial comment like that. Yes. What a dumbass. Yeah, that, that dude looked like Joe Montana against us. <laughs> he looks so in command for a freshman. I know. I don't think he got breathed on. Oh, look, Keontae Ingram, running back from Texas, opting out, gonna transfer. Bajan Robinson going to transfer. He'd look really good in an Oklahoma uniform. I'm just saying. He's going to Arizona State or Arizona, right? So where the place where Texas should hire their next coach from? How many podcasts can I go in a row with saying Texas should hire Herman? Well, it's because you're a Texas fan. It you're right. May, maybe in the offseason when they hire Urban Meyer or uh, Don't. Herm Edwards, you know, you can you know, you can wave your Texas pom poms then, but until then, like we've got a responsibility. Like we're doing the OU stuff right now. Um, yeah, Tristan Lee is coming to town. And if everything goes according to plan, it'll be another successful unofficial recruiting visit weekend for Oklahoma, much like Bedlam was two weeks ago. It's an interesting weekend. Like, I said I said this before we came on the podcast. Like, the two things in 2020 that we can have been disproven, one, that there's an NBA contract that isn't tradable, and two, recruiting can't happen in a pandemic because – Oklahoma's having their second big visit weekend unofficially without any coaches. Not even unofficial. These kids are just coming on their own, spending the weekend in Norman. What are they going to do? Does it go against CDC guidelines if they all cram into Caleb Williams' apartment? Yes. I think uh, CDC doesn't like Caleb Williams. (laughs) Traveling across the country. Yeah. He's taking the virus from Washington to Oklahoma City. What have you done? We just – What have you done, Caleb Williams? I'm just kidding. Friend of the podcast because we're he, we can, we should try to get him, him on. I mean, he's not we've doing only got anything. Eight, we've got nine days to make that happen. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'll push for it. Why not? Send him a DM or play him. I've on already a, sent him a DM. He did not respond. Put play him on Xbox Live. I mean, what do y'all kids oh. do? What do y'all do? What do y'all do? Don't y'all do that? No, we don't. I mean, you kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what, what did you think I was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's a slippery slope. I'm not willing to go down, Brady. Uh, I just I, I hope the people that know what we're talking about f- find enjoyment that we brought this up on the podcast. I um, I did purely on accident because I don't play video games anymore. Uh, that was good. I kind of miss. I kind of mm-hmm. like Vanessa House has like a big video game streaming laboratory over in the corner. And they'll play it every once in a while, and I'm just like, oh, I miss, I miss sitting down and not having to worry about anything in the world. 
not having to look at my phone because it buzzed and like, what did Woj say? Or what did Keegan say about the depth chart? There's an or. Here's the thing about ors on the depth <laughs> chart. They're the ultimate, we don't want to hurt the player's feelings. <laughs> Isn't that right? I mean, in, s- in some instances, sure. Like, there are rotational players that are basically starters. Deshaun White or David Aguebu? Has that always been a thing? The front four and the Russians, it's like that That to me, it's like if you're an or, you're probably just legitimate. You're just legit. How you like that beer? Yeah. But I like Vanessa House. You want. You want this to turn into like a Joe Rogan thing? It's like, you ever tried DMT? <laughs> Bro. This has been a very Joe Rogan y podcast. It has? Oh, God. Let's Thursdays at Vanessa House. Does the government have alien spaceships? After the week that it's been? No, I'm, I'm excited, Brady. I mean, you've got it. Like, I thought Jenny Carlson asked a great question, and this is a great talking point on here. Who's you, she and I have for? Thought, you and I have thought about this. Like, she asked Lincoln, like, is there ever a time where you just think, what the heck are we doing? We are playing football this weekend. Oklahoma's going to be missing a lot of players. Like, There's going to be football teams around the country that are going to be missing a ton of players. There's going to be games that are going to be canceled. BYU's equipment truck had to drive 40 hours in three days. That's a lot of hours. To get, to get ready for a football game at Coastal Carolina. Yes. So it's it's just crazy times. Like I can't, I can't get over that. And then you add in the last week with Oklahoma, like – Again, I, I think we hit we we approached this the right way, Brady, and that this was a very serious deal. Like, it's no need to shrug off a bunch of people getting COVID, this and that, whatever. So I'm glad that it's over with, kinda. You got to get through tomorrow. Well, today is the through the next s- week, the state prayer and fasting day. So, oh, thank God. goodness. I was hoping we could get through this podcast without that mention. So, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to? Like, eat really quickly or eat fast food? See, that's what I was asking. Like, are we intermittent fasting? Can I fast yeah, for like, a little bit? I, the, the verbiage wasn't very clear, which no. is weird with politics. But you did know, you say your prayer? Polit- you, you said your prayer today, though? I mean, I pray every day. Yeah. I pray for my enemies. <laughs> Man, Iowa State, West Virginia this weekend. You've got Kansas State, Texas. You get that, you get that done with. And like you don't, you may not need to play football next weekend, Brady. What? I mean, I I think the I ACC said, canceled their games before the ACC championship. I game. think I said that two weeks ago. Look, if the Big Ten is going to try and finagle their way to get Ohio State into the Big Ten championship, even though they might play three games this year, <laughs> um, then if OU beats Baylor, then there is no need for this team to fly to Morgantown, where they are just now starting to get some COVID positives on their roster. And then fly back and get have six days to prepare for a Big Twelve championship game. Like there's yep. there's just no need. Oh, I agree. I if that's agree. how we're gonna do it, because look, I don't even like what the Big Ten's doing. I think that that's so stupid, and it has nothing to do with oh, that's just not fair. My problem with it is, if that's how we're going to do it, if that's the precedent that we're setting, then we shouldn't play football because football is a violent sport where people get hurt. So why are we expending these peop- these kids' bodies just because at the end of the day, well, we want Ohio State in the big in, in the final four in the playoff because I mean look at their recruiting rankings. They're just they're just so much better than everybody. The beautiful thing about sports, Keegan, is that we give these teams an opportunity to surprise us. We give these teams an opportunity to disappoint us. Yeah. 
And Ohio State, I don't know how you feel about them, but after what I've seen of them this year, I don't know what it is between this year and last year. They're not as good as last year. No, they're not. Especially, especially offensively. I don't think they're as good. De- like, and maybe I'm, even just total as a team. Like, well, losing Jeffrey Okuda is always going to hurt. Yes. Like, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But they can't cover anybody. Like, they really didn't do that well against Penn State, and then they obviously got blown up by Michael Penix and in Indiana. But the biggest thing for with Ohio State for me is that, like, you're a blue blood. Start acting like it. Acting like, like it how? Like, you don't see Oklahoma's always complaining, playing the woes me card all the time. Like, Ohio State, like, more than Bama or Oklahoma or Clemson, wink, wink, or Notre Dame. Clemson is right now, big time. But, you know, Notre Dame, Alabama, Oklahoma right now, the three, like, really big time blue bloods that are playing, like, no one's complaining about anything. Like, Ohio State's feeling like the whole world's against them. They that were, just bothers they, me. Their athletic director decided to cancel their se- their fall season, and then once everybody else didn't jump on board, their athletic director decided, well, I mean, we can't be left out, so we're gonna have to play an entire, you know, conference schedule with no bye weeks. Sure. During a pandemic, where games are having to be moved around every once in a while, so for them to to decide that, I'm sorry. But if that's the precedent that we're setting, like to bring this back to Oklahoma, I mean, if West Virginia gets their shit together, cool. Like I would like to watch OU play West Virginia, and I think that it's fair if OU's gonna, if Iowa State's gonna play all their games, then OU should have to play all their games. Because sure. I'm all about being as fair as possible. But if that's the precedent we're setting, then fuck it. <laughs> like, yeah. Like don't I don't want to send this team to Morgantown. It just sounds yeah. so. Uh, it just sounds so dumb. And I think, like, you look at it, like, if Ohio State can't play next weekend, Brady, like, is there a legit conversation about OU making the playoff or no? Or does Cincinnati need to lose another game? I mean, the group of five can't be – they can't be undefeated. What do you mean? Cincinnati's going to be undefeated. 11-0, 12-0. Is Tulsa have something to say about that? Maybe. Ranked Tulsa? Maybe, maybe, probably not, but maybe. No, I mean they play back to back weeks. By the way, if Tulsa beats Cincinnati, they will play Tulsa Cincinnati back to back weeks. Any super, I mean, I, I guess technically OU wouldn't be an at large because they would be the Big Twelve champion. But in terms of making the playoff, they're an at large at this point because they're not technically out of it, but they're very much out of it. Sure, but if they're able to make it, like you just can't have an undefeated Group of Five champ. Can't have that. You can't have. I mean, the SEC is going to ruin it. Yep. Because a and M's either going to win the rest of their games, even though they're trending in the wrong direction. I don't know if you've paid attention, but Kellamon is – I mean, he hasn't been good ever. He had, like, two games in a row where he was okay. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of fallen back down to earth. And I know you're gigantically on the Florida train and Kyle Trask and all that stuff. <laughs> they're going to get destroyed by Alabama. And I then, disagree with that. And it's but just going to be like, oh, man. Well, Florida's still good. No, they're not. Like, they've got – They've got an above average for their for their standard quarterback, and their defense is looking like Mike Stoops level bad. I mean, and I saw that projection between OU and Georgia. OU kicked their ass too. I mean, I wouldn't go that far yet. Like Georgia, I don't. I think you're underestimating how talented these like Georgia is. Like Texas A&M's Oklahoma defense. was so much more talented than Iowa State. It didn't fucking matter, did it? Well, sure, but. 
when has that ever worked out in Oklahoma's favor? Like, whenever they're typically the under-talented team and they go in and win a game. Like, you go to 2017 Ohio State, 2013 Bama, What besides that. Well, they're rarely ever the l- sure. less talented team, even in games where they get blown out. Like, yes, we can look at the Peach Bowl right now and say, man, LSU had all this talent. And we probably we probably knew that going into it, but – to say that LSU going into the Peach Bowl was just vastly more talented than Oklahoma, I think would have been a little silly. Now, you could say that LSU was vastly a better team, but the talent level, I mean, you're splitting hairs. Like, Oklahoma sure. has great talent across the board, even though we, like, complain and bitch about Buki Radley Hiles every five seconds. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I am not thinking one bit. At least maybe I'm just a bad OU fan. I'm not thinking one bit about OU making the playoff because I, I frankly I don't think they deserve it. I don't think they deserve. I don't think they will either. I think like we're reaching. I don't want two lost playoff teams. I don't unless sure. everybody else has one loss or two. Yeah, which, which could happen. You know? Yeah, but in the event that it's a normal season where there are undefeated champions and one loss champions, sorry if you lose two, then well, if, I, so I want. Let the, me throw this to you: If Alabama beats Florida and Notre Dame beats Clemson. Florida and Clemson are taken out of the conversation. Say A&M loses another game, A&M's out of the conversation. Yes, they should be out of the conversation anyway. And then you have left Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Cincinnati. And where do you go from there? I mean, that's I mean, that's a legit like this weekend like if Auburn beats A&M this weekend, I think then you may be able to start talking about the playoff for Oklahoma. Because then all you have to have is Notre Dame beat Clemson and Alabama beat Florida, and the, it, Oklahoma's in, right? As long as the Pac-12 team, you know, you have a Pac-12 team, you have a Pac-12 or Oregon is, lost. Pac-12 no, no, is Pac-12's done. Well, is USC undefeated? No, they, they won't matter. They won't get over an Oklahoma no, team. No, no, USC isn't good. But and it it's too too early. Hey, Tuesday or patrons Saturday night. I'm sure we'll we haven't decided Saturday night or Sunday yet, but. I mean, we'll probably rock it Saturday night. Okay, but I mean, we that could be a conversation we're having on Saturday nights. Yeah, like if legit, like if Auburn beats A&M, it's it's it's. I think it's a conversation to have. I mean, you still got to have some things work out in your favor. May need Cincinnati to lose a game, but well, it's plausible. I will say this: it seems like the playoff community is potentially leaving the door open purposefully for Oklahoma to be that fourth team because I agree. OSU jumps up X amount of spots to 15 after barely beating Texas Tech. And OSU's, you know, they're going to win the rest of their games in the regular season. So they can be a top 15 victory that OU won 41 to 13. Mm-hmm. And Iowa State, if they hold on and get into the Big 12 championship, OU does as well. That would mean if OU wins the Big 12 title that they would have beaten a top eight, top seven team in Iowa State, making up for one of their losses already, which would catapult them maybe into the top eight, seven, or six, you know, after the Big 12 championship, and then who knows what happens after that during championship weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, if, if OU gets left out because an at-large A&M gets in or an at-large... Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina, like whatever gets in. It's like, yeah, OU's probably better than them, but you know what? They they lost their chance losing two games in a row. So that is what it is. Any final thoughts, Keegan? You want to talk about the Knight Commissioner at all? 
Go right ahead. I know you wanted to, like, you brought it up on Twitter. So, yeah, let's, let's finish off with this I one. I think that's interesting. Like, they're basically, what they're now telling athletic directors is that the FBS, so just the FBS, should create their own organization called the National College Football Association, the NCFA. And that all FBS schools, if you can qualify for this, that it would be better for you financially and it would be better for you from an infrastructure perspective for your school. It's like because you are kind of getting screwed by this equal revenue distribution. Like they make so much money. I think I, I think this is what it says in the report that two billion dollars from 2005 to 2015, two billion dollars alone has come from football postseason play, BCS on that these colleges have received. I mean, this is just leading towards the dream scenario of the power conference, right? Where it's this just is this is right up your alley. This is what you were talking about at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's just like if you can afford it, if you're a school that can afford to kind of pull its football program away from its normal activities, that you should all play each other under your own rules and circumstances and your own playoff and this and that. So it's basically yeah. a, kind of eliminating the middle class of college football. Yeah, now what this will what this will probably do in the next five to ten years is like that's like the the that's the the highest goal that the night commission is setting for itself. So what's probably going to happen is something like a few tiers down from what they're ultimately trying to to call for. You know, you you call for like you know you ask for like a thousand dollars, but you're probably going to end up with eight hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars. Sure. So it's certainly going to like head this way. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are going to change because of this season, and that's kind of the interesting thing about being alive during this time is, like, you're, we're watching our the sport that we all love in college football. It's We have no idea if, o, if OU is going to be playing schools like Kansas State 10, 15 years from now after playing them for 100 years, you know? So college football is a weird sport. It's a sport that values history and tradition so much, but they really only care about, like, the last 50 or 60 years of that history. They don't care about the first, you know, the 1910s or 20s or 30s because, like, Rutgers and Cornell were good at football back then. And every other school that's good now was not good at all. So, yeah, it's um, it was interesting. But, unfortunately, it's just something that we're not going to know, like, the ramifications of until a few years from now. But it's certainly heading that direction. Yeah, it, and it's it's heading in a direction where – Schools like Oklahoma are going to have more of a say. Yep. Like, they bring a lot more to the pie. They get a lot bigger piece of the pie, and they deliver a bigger piece of the pie, so they're going to get a lot more conversation. So it's Oklahoma isn't going to be leaning on other schools to make some decisions. They're going to start being able to start kind of use their power against other schools. So I think that it is where it's heading. Joe Castiglione was asked about it today, said that he is intrigued by the findings, and he can't wait to read it. I think it's interesting. I think if, you, if you're AD at a, and you're at a school like Oklahoma and you're making those comments, I think that speaks glowingly about the direction of where this is heading. Not glowingly. That's not the right word. It speaks heavily about where the, we're heading in terms of college football. And, like, by the time these granted rights are up in 2025, Brady, hurry up. Like, this thing could be 
we could be looking at a completely different model for how college football is played. Yeah. And, and that, that's fascinating to me. I mean, it's a sport that has changed and changed and changed and changed over the years. But, yeah, this is this is a different type of change that I'm looking forward to. But I'm also kind of like, oh, God, I, I don't know what this is going to do for OU. But we, we will find out. But everybody... Thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast once again. Shout out to Road Warrior earlier for joining us on the uh, Thursday pod moving forward at the beginning of the show. And shout out to Vanessa House for always taking good care of us every Thursday, as they always do. Thank you so much, everybody. We will talk to you Saturday night if you are a uh, subscribing patron. We appreciate you all so very much. You can always subscribe. If you'd like to hear the post-game shows, we will greatly appreciate it. But until next time on Tuesday, we will talk to you guys later and boomer sooner.